This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. But we'd like to launch out into a new area, a new series that we're developing right now. Just talking about preparing for war. Did you know the Bible talks about a war that you and I are in? And that we should be prepared and there is a a way for us to prepare. And uh, when you're preparing for war, you know, we must uh, identify and we must recognize our enemy. So think about this for a moment. Who is your enemy? Let's, let's uh, go over to uh, Revelation chapter uh, 12 and start in verse uh, 7. Then there was war in heaven. Can you imagine? There's war in heaven. I mean, real war, warfare, you know. Then there was war in heaven. Michael and the angels under his Michael command. Michael was the archangel. I mean, that's a good guy, you know. Michael and the angels under his command fought the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle. Yes. And was forced out of heaven. That's good. You know, the the dragon was forced out of heaven. He lost the battle. This great dragon, the ancient serpent. Uh, You know, he he was also referred as to a snake. You know, he was very sly and and cunning and and artfully malicious. (laughs) Malicious in a positive looking way. But he was very malicious. Called the devil. He was the accuser. He is a slanderer. That's what he does. Or Satan. The one deceiving the whole world. Did you hear that? One deceiving the whole world. Incoming! You like that new hiding spot, don't you? Yeah. (laughs) This is... When I run out of bags, I gotta place out of bags. Awesome. But there's incoming. You ever heard of incoming? You know, it, it, it's, it's, you know, danger. I mean, it's explosives. It, it's trying to do us damage. It's coming in. And the enemy of our soul was always throwing things to destroy us. Always temptations. He's trying to get us caught up in some activity, something that, you know, separates us from God. That's what he's always up to. So there's incoming missiles coming as fiery darts all the time. That's just the truth of it. The one deceiving the whole world was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. Mm. Mm. Oh, no. The earth. That's where we live. So he was kicked out of heaven to earth with all of his angels or demonic beings now. That's where we live. And there is a lot of incoming missiles and things aimed to hurt us and, and destroy us, you know. The moment that we accept Christ, we are at war. The moment we accept him. Think about it. Are you prepared for war? Genuinely, are you? And if you haven't accepted Christ, you remain what is referred to as a POW, which is a prisoner. 
of war. And a lot of people are looking for freedom. They're, they're looking to be free because they are a prisoner of war. And those who go AWOL, you know what AWOL means? Absent without leave. Yeah. Absent without leave, you know? And, and when we go absent from the Almighty God without leave, we are a prisoner of war, uh, uh, you know, and great bondage. That's what the devil wants for us. He wants us to be a prisoner and treated like a prisoner. Now, the Bible tells us if we abide in Christ, if we settle down and make our home in Christ, you know, and his word abides in our heart, we can ask anything we want and it'll be done. But the devil would like us not to abide in Christ. He would like us to be absent without a leave, you know. After you accept Christ, I don't know if you have become aware of this or not, but all kinds of stuff seems to come against you. Have you ever noticed when the closer you get to Christ, there's incoming temptations and thoughts to try to distract us, you know. And, and, and you know, it's only once we get closer to Christ, we ask Christ to come into our life. Now, I was on the Farmington River several years ago with a friend, and we had access to these little bitty uh, pontoon boats. It was just big enough, almost big enough for one person, you know, one of these Two little pontoons, and it had this frame on it. And there's a place that you stick your feet down in the water and you put flippers on. And you can paddle around there as you're fishing. And me and my friend, we, we went fishing several, several times. And I hope you don't mind, but it was on Sunday. But it wasn't Sunday morning, you know, because I was here. But uh, on Sunday afternoon, evening, he'd say, you want to go fishing for a little bit? And so we would meet over at the Farmington River, you know, around 5 o'clock, you know. And I took my car, and he took his, because then we would take his way up the river, almost to the lake way up yonder, and we would put these things in, and, and we would uh, launch, and then we would fish for miles going down the river, you know. Had a great time and off. Uh, but this particular day... I remember we'd be out in the middle of the current, then we'd pull over behind a rock, and we'd slide over rocks that was in our way, and we were able to do that pretty successfully and off. But I remember specifically as we were getting ready to get out, it was 12 o'clock. This is at night. So we went down half of the river in the dark, uh, except for the moon, you know, and we were catching fish the whole way with fly rods, you know, and I had my pockets where I had all my fly boxes and all, had them open, so I'd get to my uh, phone, and we're taking pictures of each other's fish and all kinds of things like that. It was an awesome, wonderful experience, and he said, well, we're going to take out, you know, which I left my car there, but I didn't see the water from where I left my car. He said, we're going to take out at a certain location, I'll show you where it's at. So right at 12 o'clock, when we had reached that location, and we're out in the middle of the river, and we're just flowing along with the current. It was great. And then we accidentally went a little bit too far. We passed the takeout area. And so he said, no, it was right over there. So we turned our little bitty 
pontoon boats. He had his, and I was in mine, and we're just flapping and paddling with as fast as we can, but the current was very strong, you know. As long as we was going with the current, we was okay, but then when we turned, and we're going to the right, and we're trying to go upstream a little bit to the takeout area, and the current was unbelievably strong, and we got over there, and the current pushed us into trees and brush and all. He uh, broke one of his expensive fly rods. I think he might, might have lost one. And as I'm getting over there, trying to, to get to the shore, the current pushed me. There was a tree leaning down river, and the current pushed me up on the tree just like this. You know, and I'm falling off down into the water, and I've got these uh, flippers on. It was kind of hard to stand in them flippers and all. And I had hundreds of flies that had accumulated over the years, hundreds. And, and all my flies fell out of my pocket, and they disappeared. My prayer after that was, oh, Papa God, I hope there's a kid downstream saying, oh, God, please send me some flies so I can fish <laughs> like the other guys do. I was always hoping one day I meet some kid who's got all my flies and all these fly boxes <laughs> that washed out, you know. And uh, it was just pushing me up there. And I was able to finally get off, but I couldn't move, you know, with these flippers on. So I reached down, I unclipped one, and it, it was gone. And any, anyhow, we, we, we survived, you know. We survived. But let me tell you, there was tremendous resistance once we got out of the flow taking us downhill. And lots of times in your life, you don't feel any major resistance until you start trying to, to turn, Maybe to turn around and follow Christ. And when you start following Christ, you feel some major resistance from the enemy of our soul. Because he don't want you following Jesus. You do know that. And as long as he's able to pull us downhill, he's okay with that, the devil. And we're in this battle. But when we try to turn and follow Christ, we feel this tremendous resistance that comes against us. Revelation chapter 12 verse 10 says... Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has happened at last, the salvation and power and kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser has been thrown down to earth. The accuser, that's the devil, he's been thrown down to earth. The one who accused our brothers and sisters before our God day and night. And they... They is referring to the Christ's followers, you know... They have defeated him because of the blood of the Lamb. Are, are you aware of the power that is associated with the blood of the Lamb? Yes. The Lamb is Jesus. There is phenomenal power because the blood was shed. And as we think about it, and as we talk about it, as we pray about it and declare that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all of our sins... It is wonderful. It is mighty. Martin Luther, he had a dream in which he stood on the day of judgment before God himself. And Satan was there in this dream to accuse him. And when Satan opened his book full of accusations, he pointed to transgression and sin after sin after sin of which Luther was guilty. As the proceedings went on, Luther's heart sunk in despair and then he remembered the cross of Christ and turning to Satan he said there is one injury which you have not made 
Satan. And the devil retorted, and what entry was that? And Luther said, it is this, that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all our sin. And you know what? That makes all the difference in the world. The devil can accuse you of what you have done in your past, what you have thought, what you have sinned by not doing what God wanted you to do. And he can accuse us and accuse us and accuse us. But the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us, forgives us from all sin. Let's, let's read it here in 1 John 1, verse 7. But if we are living in the light of God's presence, just as Christ is, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from every sin. What percentage is every? 100%. 100%. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from 100% of our sin that the devil brings up now to try to make you feel guilty, try to make you feel unworthy, to try to steal your faith and leave you filled with doubt. But it's the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why he shed his blood to wash all, 100% of our sins away. Revelations 12, verse 11 says, And they, talking about Christ followers, they, or the, the followers of Christ, have defeated him, talking about Satan, because of the blood of the Lamb and because of their testimony. The bold word of their testimony. What God has done for us, and, and we are empowered, you know, we gain victory because of the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, which is God's testimony, what his word says about us. And they were not afraid to die. General Douglas MacArthur, you ever heard of him? He said, it is fatal to enter any war without the will to win it. Do you have the will to win this war? Yes. The devil is set to destroy us. The devil is set to make everything chaos and confusion. The devil is set to steal our hope and just to leave us with fear. Do you have the will to win? Because absolutely God has given us the armor to win. And he promises to be there with us every step of the way. Revelation 12 verse 12 says, Rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens, rejoice. But terror will come on the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you in great anger. And he knows that he has little time. He has what? Little time. Little time. And that's why he's nervous and he's fearful. You, you know why he attacks us, don't you? Because God loves us so much and he's trying to hurt God. He's trying to hurt God and he attacks what God loves the most. And that's his children. And the devil has such a little time. And I don't know if you see it from time to time that the attacks against us as a nation, as a people, as believers, it just ramps up. It just ramps up higher and higher and higher. But you have been equipped, you genuinely have, to win this battle. Revelations chapter 9, verse 11. There. And it says their king. This is talking about these horse-faced locusts. They, 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 they're as big as a horse. And they have the ability to sting like a scorpion. In the Bible, if you'll continue to read it, it says they have teeth like a lion. And, and this is portraying the 
the end times and all. And he says, there, these locusts is king. Their king is the angel from the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, Apollyon, the destroyer. And that's what the devil's name is. We're going to look at 29 different names that the devil uses, and it surely displays his character and what his strategy uh, against us is all about. But he is a destroyer. The devil is a destroyer. And if you look at that in Revelation 9-11, you'll see the Bible says he is a destroyer. So Abaddon was the one that we just said, and that was the destroyer. Number two, accuser of the brethren. And that's and believers in Christ. You know, he accuses us to, to, to hurt us, to inflict pain on us, to make us feel guilty and things like that. And, and that's in um, Revelation chapter 12. The adversary, the one who stands against. That's in 1 Peter 5, 8. The angel of the bottomless pit in Revelation 9, 11. The Antichrist, the one against Christ in 1 John 4, 3. Apollyon, the Greek word for destroyer in Revelation 9, 11. Beelzebub, God of the flies, the dung god, Matthew 12, 24. Belial, 2 Corinthians 6, 15. The devil, false accuser, slanderer. That's in Matthew 4, verse 1. The enemy, Matthew 13, 39. Evil spirit, 1 Samuel 16, verse 14. Father of all lies, he is a liar. And that's John 8, 44. God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Great red dragon, Revelation 12, 3. Lucifer is the Roman rendering of the word morning star in Isaiah 14 verse 12 man of sin 2 Thessalonians 2 3 murderer John 8 44 old serpent Revelation 12 9 power of darkness Colossians 1 13 prince of this world John 12 31 prince of the power of the air Ephesians 2 verse 2 ruler of darkness Ephesians 6, verse 12. Satan. This is the Hebrew word adversary, the Greek word accuser. 1 Chronicles 21, 1 and John 12, 13, verse 27. The serpent. Genesis 3, 4. Son of perdition, which means destruction, ruin, waste, and loss. John 17, verse 12. The tempter. Matthew 4, 3. The thief. John 10, 10. The wicked one, John 13, verse 19. Unholy Trinity as the devil, the beast, and a false prophet in Revelation 20, verse 10. Isaiah 14, starting with verse 12 in the Amplified Bible says, How have you fallen from heaven, O star of the morning? Which means light bringer, the son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the ground. You who have weakened. Destroyed. That's what you're talking about. We can destroy it. The nations, king of Babylon. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. Who's this talking about? This is the devil talking about God. He's, gonna, he's saying, I'm going to ascend into the heavens. I'm going to take control of things. This was when he was, he was known as Lucifer. He was in heaven. He was one of the archangels. Yep. And he rebelled against God. And this is account of what happened. 
I will ascend to heaven, he said. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of assembly. The devil is, his, he's showing us his pride. I, 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 I. That's the, the center letter in the word pride. And that's why he was ousted out of heaven. Trying to usurp authority over God. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the remote parts of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But in fact, you will be brought down to Sheol. And Sheol so went to hell. To the remote recesses of the pit, the region of the dead. Those who see you will gaze at you. They will consider you saying, is this the man who made the earth tremble? Who shook kingdoms? Him? That little puny, scrawny little old thing? He's the one who did so much damage on, on the earth? Him? You know? Because, see, you don't recognize, lots of times, we don't recognize the, the power, the, the armor that God has given us. God wants us never to be a victim of the enemy of our soul. He wants us to be a victor. He wants us to walk in victory and experience the wonderful freedom that he has purchased for us. And the devil, his, his greatest tactic against us is a liar. He lies to us and he tries to get us to believe what he says, you know. Let's, let's continue with that. They will consider you saying, is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world like a wilderness and overthrew its cities, who did not permit his prisoners to return home? Uh, now, uh, let me read uh, uh, the first verse of a, an old hymn, fantastic hymn. It, it really is a great inspiration to us. And the, the old hymn is called A Mighty Fortress. A mighty fortress is our God. And just listen to these first words, and then we can sing it together if you'd like to. It says, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark. Hold on. What is a bulwark? Sometimes we say things we don't even know what we're talking about, but this word, a bulwark, is a fortification. It's a fortress. It's, it's a a uh, castle, if you would. So let's uh, say that again, and we'll know what we're talking about. This is his fortress there. It goes, A mighty fortress is our God, A bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood, of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe, talking with the devil, does seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. Were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing? Dost ask who that might be, 
Christ Jesus, it is He. Lord Sabbath, His name, from age to age the same. And He must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled, should threaten to undo us. We will not fear, for God hath willed His truth to triumph through us. We, the Prince of Darkness grim, we tremble not for Him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. The word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abide. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abides still. His kingdom is forever. You know what? God's kingdom has come. And his will is being done on earth as it is in heaven right now through many men and women, even boys and girls who acknowledge his kingdom. That's right. You acknowledge his kingdom. I acknowledge that your kingdom has come and your will is being done in the lives of these men and women here who join us today. Your will is being done here on this earth now the same as your will is being done in heaven. You know, we need to prepare for war if, if we don't uh, already, if we've not already prepared. We need to do that. We need to understand the armor of God and how to use his armor is what I'm talking about. And he describes a little bit of it right here in uh, Ephesians chapter 6. A final word. Be strong with the Lord's mighty power. Put on all and how, what percent is all? Incoming! <laughs> Let me start over there. Oh, did I distract you? <laughs> the devil is always trying to distract us, is he not? Yes. He's always throwing fiery darts at us. He's always trying to distract us. He's always trying to wound us so we will not fight against him. But greater is Christ who abides in you mm -hmm. than the devil who is in this world. That's just the truth of it. A final word. Be strong with the Lord's mighty power. And, and how, how do we become strong with the Lord's mighty power? Verse 11. Put on all. Put on all. And what percentage is all? 100%. Put on 100% of God's armor so that you will be able to, to stand, stand firm against, against all. all. What percentage is all? 100%. You can stand Firm against all the strategies and the tricks of the devil. That's what the Bible says. That's right. 
or we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood. No, but, but we are fighting. We are fighting, but we're not fighting against people. Sometimes you may start fighting against people, but we don't understand where that motivation comes from. You, you remember Jesus, when, when Peter was telling him, Oh, Lord, you, you shouldn't go to that city because some bad things may happen there. And Jesus says, Satan, get behind me. It wasn't that Peter was Satan, but Satan was inspiring Peter to say things. To try to discourage our Savior and Jesus knew where the uh, suggestion was really coming from. And you and I have been given armor so we can stand strong and we can stand with Almighty God. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world, and against spiritual, wicked spirits, I'm thinking King James Version, <laughs> spiritual wickedness, wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. You know, this is a real war that we're talking about here. And the stakes are high. And, and the battle is for the souls of men, of mankind, of men and women and boys and girls. This battle, all the crazy things we see going on in our world right now, in our own nation, it's for the souls of men and women to discourage us, you know, to distract us from what is the truth. As we look at some of the strategies of, of Satan, it says right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, But I fear that somehow you will be led away from your pure and simple devotion to Christ. And, and this is one of the very first strategies here the apostle says, I fear that somehow you will be led away. Led away from your pure and your simple devotion to Christ. That's, that's the strategy of the enemy of our soul to lead us away from that pure devotion to Christ. If, if you don't ever read your Bible when you're at home, if you really take time to pray and to sing and to worship God, well then, you, you know, you, you have... You've fallen into that tactic to be led away from our devotion, our love for, for Christ Jesus. So, so we'll get distracted and we will become very powerless against the attacks of the enemy of our soul. And he often tries to complicate things and lie to us saying, it's just too hard. It's just too hard to live the Christian life right now. But that's being led away from our pure and simple devotion to Christ. Just as Eve was deceived by the serpent. That's, that's the second strategy we're looking at here. It's deception. The devil tries to deceive us. That old serpent, he tries to deceive us. These people are false apostles. They have fooled you by disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. There are people in this world who would declare that they're a follower of Christ. But the words that they would tell you would mislead you. Because they have put on this camouflage to act like a godly man or woman, but they abhor the word. They go away from the word and they teach you things that are not right. That's the third tactic and strategy. Verse 14, but I am not surprised. Even Satan can disguise himself as an angel of light. The devil 
he disguises himself as an angel. He, he looks pretty good to some people. Well, he's doing good things. He can't be all right wrong. I remember seeing a movie when I was a, a very, very young guy. I was probably a teenager at the time. And in this movie, I had a, a witch in this movie. And this witch, she's an ugly old thing, but she had this little potion, this spell that she could concoct and turn herself into the most beautiful woman you ever imagined. And she just had this tremendous follower of men swooning over her, loving her, following her, doing whatever she wanted until her spell wore off. And she became that ugly old hag, big old hairy wart on the end of her nose, bad breath, she stunk a lot. She was all wrinkled and, and, and just a follower of the devil is what she was. And though she might have made herself look pretty for just a wee bit, it didn't last. And the Bible says the devil comes to us as an angel of light, looking like the most wonderful thing for a season. That's just as far as it lasts us. That's the fourth strategy. And, and the fifth is talking about, here's a strategy we don't think is a big deal to do, but it is an incoming <laughs> explosion. It's attacked to us. It's unforgiveness. It's a major attack against us if we cave in and we choose not to forgive somebody. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 in the Message Bible says, The focus of my letter wasn't on punishing the offender, but on getting you to take responsibility for the health of the church. So if you forgive him, I forgive him. This is what the apostle said. If you forgive, I'm going to forgive. Don't think I'm carrying around a, personal, a list of personal grudges. Because he, he forgave. The fact is that I'm joining in with your forgiveness as Christ is with us, guiding us. Has Christ forgiven us? Yes. Absolutely. After all, we don't want to unwittingly give Satan an opening for yet more mischief. We're not oblivious to his sly ways. We are, as other translation says, we are familiar with the tactics, the strategies that the devil has. And he wants us to become bitter and with a grudge. He wants us not to forgive others because then he can control us. He can manipulate us if we are unwilling to forgive. That's just the truth of it. The strategy that the devil has is to get us caught up in unforgiveness. I think another translation says we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. That's exactly right. And unforgiveness is one of his you're right. Devices that he uses. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 through 27, we'll look at the sixth device or strategy, strategy of the devil. And don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Not only is it unforgiveness, but when you get angry, you, you, you mean anger? Is an incoming fiery dart as a missile that is sent to destroy us? Yes. That's exactly what it is. And you can think, well, you know, my mama was always angry. My daddy was always angry. My dog was always angry. And so I'm always angry too. And that's okay. No, it's not. You've been hit with a fiery dart. And that anger causes you to become ineffective in fighting this war that we are in right now. And don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. So if God gives us one day to deal with the anger thing. 
and, and we must forgive, uh, even though people have hurt us. It doesn't mean you go along with everything they say. You remember the last thing that Jesus said as he's hanging on the cross? Father, forgive them. The guys who beat me so terribly, who drove the nails into my hands and my feet, beat the crown of thorns down upon my head. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He forgave. He genuinely forgave. And he was not consumed with anger. He said, Papa God, forgive them. That's what he's talking about. And let's read that one more time. And don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. Anger. And, and I used to have a, a bear trap. It's around this building somewhere. Hopefully I, it's not set, right? No, I don't think it's set, <laughs> you know. But it, it used to, when we would set, it would take four men with two by fours and we could set that bear trap, you know, and I would pop it, you know, with another two by four from time to time to, to show how that thing worked and all. And, and the, the, the Bible tells us when we give in to anger, we give a mighty foothold to the devil. How would you like to have your foot being held by a bear trap? And you cannot open it by yourself. You genuinely cannot. If you get into a real genuine bear trap, you do not have the strength unless you've got some C-clamps and all these things that you have to use to open that thing. I wonder if there's anybody here today whose foot is in such a trap that you've got anger and, 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 and you're unwilling to forgive because somebody hurts you so bad and you're angry with them and your foot is caught. And this foothold that the scripture says, for anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. You know, anger in, in the heart of a believer and you who are a believer is always an, an invitation. It's an opportunity for the devil. When we get angry, he smiles, he snickers, and he knows he's got you. So we got to deal with that really quickly because it will hurt us greatly. It, it really does. And then in Genesis chapter 4, verse 6. Why are you so angry? This is God talking to Cain. And, and God's saying, why are you so angry, Cain? You know, this is the two first young men on the planet. You know, it was Adam and Eve's sons. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked him? You know, see, jealousy is one of the things that causes us to become angry. We're jealous of somebody, something that they have done or something that they're doing. In this situation here, uh, God had told Cain and Abel to offer a sacrifice, a gift unto him. And Abel offered a sacrifice that was well-pleasing to God. But Cain did not. He was jealous of his brother, and he was very angry and anger led to murder. He killed his brother because he was jealous and because he was angry with him. Why do you look so dejected? And, and what is dejected talking about? So depressed, so, so sad, so miserable. And that's what when we get angry, that's what we start looking like, you know? 
you will be accepted if you respond in the right way. If you respond in the right way, you respond with faith. You know, and, and faith in Almighty God causes us to obey Him and do things the way He tells us to. But if, if we don't have faith, we, we disobey God. We don't do what He tells us to do. You know, and, and there's jealousy that comes up along with the anger. Puts us in a bad uh, position. It does. But if you refuse to respond correctly, then watch out. Sin is yeah. waiting to attack and destroy you. And you must subdue it. Hmm. If you refuse to respond correctly, you have no faith in God. Therefore, you don't obey him as a sin is waiting to attack. Incoming! <laughs> Thank you. I'm sorry, brother. <laughs> but the devil is out to destroy everything. He genuinely is. And it may not be as obvious, but the fiery darts that he throws at us to distract us and to wound us and to hurt us and cause us to hurt other people with anger and bitterness and unforgiveness. That's just the way it is. But he says here, you must subdue it. You, you must master, you know, this anger. You, you must take control. You must overcome it. That's what he's talking about. Proverbs 22, verse 24 and 25 says, keep away from angry, short-tempered people. Now, you know, if you're sitting beside somebody right now that's very angry, and short, don't, don't move or nothing right now. But <laughs> once church is over, then you can. Okay? We don't want to offend them because God's probably ministering to all of us right now. Is that right? Yep. Okay. So keep away from angry, short-tempered people. Go, why would you say that, Pastor Ron? Why should we keep away from those kinds of people? Or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. It's contagious. If, if you hang around with angry, short-tempered people, you will learn their ways. And you will become like them and you will endanger your own soul. I didn't Make that up. That's right here in God's word. And as we allow the slightest sin and the inconsistency in our lives, the devil has a strong foothold over us. Uh, <clears throat> one night, George, he passed a breaking point and emotionally he exploded. You, you ever done that? Emotionally, you know. One night, George passed the breaking point and emotionally exploded. He pounded the table and the floor. I hate you. I hate you, he screamed at his wife. I won't take it anymore. I've had enough. I won't go on. I won't let it happen. No, no, no. And several months later, George woke up in the middle of the night and he heard strange Sounds coming from the room where his two-year-old son slept. And he went down the hall. And he stood outside his son's door. And shivers ran through his flesh. In a soft voice, the two-year-old was repeating word for word with precise inflection the climatic argument between his mother and his father. I hate you. I hate you. I won't take it anymore. No, no, no. 
Did you know how you influence your children? Do you know how you influence those who look up to you? How you impart to them bitterness, unforgiveness, and anger? They'll pick it up so easily. They, they really will, you know. And when you, if you speak when you're angry, you will make the best speech that you will ever regret. <laughs> when you say something when you're angry, you bite your tongue. They say, what, sit down and count to ten? Some of us might need to sit down and count to a thousand, you know, till we can deal with that anger and that unforgiveness that's in our heart. James 1, verse 19 and 20 tells us how to deal with it. It says, dear friends, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Be slow to get angry. Your anger can never make things right in God's sight. Never. And if you think, well, I have to be angry. Nope. It will never make things right in God's sight. Your anger will never make anything right. And you can say, well, it's justified. It will never make things right. You can pray and you can cry and you can seek God and learn to use the armor that God gives us. And you can gain victory. You will be victorious and not just become a victim uh, by just doing things the way the devil wants you to do them. The seventh strategy in John 10.10 says the thief's purpose. That's the devil. His purpose is to steal, to kill, and destroy. But my purpose. And this is Jesus talking. Is to give life in all its fullness. The devil his purpose. We all have a purpose. We, we look and try to discover God's purpose for our life. You know, and we want to live for his purpose. The devil's purpose. He is not a good guy. The devil's purpose is to steal everything from you. Your money, your health, your family, your relationships, your peace of mind. He wants to steal and kill. Kill physically, yes. But to kill your dreams and your goals and whatever... Anything that has to do with stealing and killing and destroying, the devil's behind it. That's what the Bible says. That's his purpose. That's what his purpose is, to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, my purpose is to give life in all of its fullness. And we need to learn to prepare ourselves for war, for the battle. You know, there's always these incoming fiery darts aimed at us to hurt us and to hurt our children. That's just the way it is. James chapter 4, verse 7. And this is how we win the battle. So humble yourselves. And humble in the King James Bible, it says, submit yourselves. This is really key to winning a battle. You humble yourself with you. Submit. You yield yourself to the Almighty God. That's the first step. So humble yourselves before God and then resist the devil and he will flee from you. And if you'll study this out in this original language, you'll discover that the devil will flee from us in terror. And not just that you resist him, you must submit yourself to God first. You yield yourself to God, submit yourself to God, and then resist the devil and he will flee from you and we need to understand that we need to know that God is on our side or we're on God's side and he helps us 
through this whole deal there. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be careful. Watch out. And the word there, watch out, it means be alert. Uh, does anybody know how to spell alert? A-L-E-R-T. Give me, okay. <laughs> Give me the first letter. A. That stands for always. L. Stands for looking. E. Stands for everywhere. R. Stands for resisting. T. It talks about temptation. Always looking everywhere, resisting temptation. You're on the lookout because the devil's got an incoming temptation toward you and he's trying to distract you with disobeying God in so many areas of our life and it says so be careful watch out which is all about you know we're alert always looking everywhere resisting temptation watch out for attacks hmm. from attacks. the devil he, he, he tries to assault us with, with hostile violent intent and, and not just to wound us he wants to absolutely destroy us so it says again, be careful, watch out for attacks from the devil, your great enemy. He is no friend. I've, I've heard people say that. Yeah, I'm okay. I can't wait to get to hell. Me and the devil's going to party. We're going to have a good time together. You're terribly mistaken. The devil is also incarcerated there. And he hates you because God loves you. You will never be a friend or a buddy with the devil. If you fall for his bait now, his whole goal, his whole purpose is to kill and steal and destroy everything that relates to you. You're not now, not if you choose to go to hell, you will never be his buddy. You'll be incarcerated in a horrible, a evil, a wicked place. That's just the truth of what the Bible tells us, you know. Watch out from the attacks from the devil, your great enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for some victim to devour. Hmm. Lions look for loners in his domain who get away from other believers. I, I don't meet with other believers. I'm, I'm not in a group of any kind. I don't have a relationship with other believers. I, I don't go to church. I'm just here out here on my own. And that's who the lion who is talking about the devil, that's who he's looking for because it's easier to devour them. Would you allow your kids to play in a lion's den? Would you? No. If, if you know where a, a, a den is, where lions live and raise their young, is it okay if y'all hike up there and just get out your sandwiches and, and you let your kids play right there in front of the, the den where the lions live? Is, is that okay? No. It wouldn't even be safe for you to play there either, would it? No. So here's a question. What kind of media choices are you allowing your kids to choose? Are you allowing them to play in a lion's den? Psalm 111 verse 2. Psalm 101. One, verse 2 says, and this gives us some strategy on our part on how to win the war. I will be careful to live a blameless life. We're going to be careful to live a blameless life. When will you come to my aid? I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. See, in our own home 
He says, I'll live a life of integrity in my own home. Because that's when there ain't nobody else around, usually. If you're going to let your guard down and do things that nobody is going to know about, it will be in the privacy of your own home. Nobody sees here, for the most part. They don't know what you're going to do. They don't know your fights or your battles. They don't know what you give into temptation-wise. And he says here, uh, I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. And then verse 3. I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. Now, is there vile and vulgar things that we can look at today? Yes. Everywhere you turn, and especially when you're in your own home, you can look at all kinds of vile and vulgar things. And incoming, it's coming in to tempt you, to get a fiery dart in you, to weaken you, so the devil can gain control over our lives. And he says here in verse 3, I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. I was uh, telling everyone last night, this past week, you know, we don't have television in our home, so we're not watching the news or anything else for that matter. Um, but I do look at a news website and I'll read the headlines, so, so I'll kind of know what's going on in the world. And sometimes something will pique my interest and I'll read the details, I'll read the article. And God really convicted me in my own heart that I don't need to know the details. That there's stuff in those articles that really will not do me, will not benefit me in any way to know the details. Because some of those details are vile, they're vulgar, and they're violent. And it doesn't do me any good to know those details. I can pray just effectively without knowing the details. So we need to be careful what we subject ourselves to. You know, and God just really convicted me about that. There is scripture that tells us not to. Yes, in Acts it says that it is a shame for us to even speak of the things that people do in secret. So we need to be careful what we're exposing ourselves to. I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. I hate all crooked dealings. I will have nothing to do with them. I will reject perverse ideas and stay away from evil. And there's a lot of perverse ideas that's coming from the leadership of our nation trickling down and trying to change our schools and our ideas and our hobbies and things like that. And wherever it comes from, if it's identified as an incoming... Some crazy ideas, some perverse ideas, and the Bible says stay away from, what's that? Evil. Every. Every. 100%. Every. Stay away from it. What kind of movies, websites, CDs, books, and magazines are you allowing them to read or to use? Are they playing in front of a lion's den? Are Are you playing in front of a lion's den? It will hurt you. You, you, you may think, well, I can handle it. Nobody can handle the fiery darts that the devil throws against us if we are not using the armor that God has provided us with. You know, I, I used to be pretty confident uh, about snakes as a kid because I had gotten bitten. I thought, end up in the hospital, them doing their little thing. Anyhow, like a long story short, 
I really wasn't bitten. I just got briars in my legs when I jumped to get away from the snake and off. But after that, I studied them and found out about them. And I would often uh, catch snakes, you know. And my mom didn't know what in the world she was going to find when she went out there to the garbage can to put a garbage bag in. Because sometimes I'd go by the garbage can and say, this is a good place to save my snake for a little while. And I'd put him in the garbage can. She'd open it. There was another little metal uh, toolbox my dad had. And I would put them in there. Because you, if you're catching them, you got to find somewhere to put them to save them for later, you know. Anyhow. I'd call I'm one glad snake. you don't do that anymore. <laughs> no, I, I don't do that anymore, you know. But I had caught a, a big old black snake one day. Actually, I have caught some snakes at our house. Oh, yes, you have, but have you a don't. Picture hide of a black snake there and his head such in the ground, you know, to show to the kids. And uh, that was years ago, though. But I, I, I caught this black snake, and uh, just that day, and uh, I went down to the. Uh, tennis court that was out in the country at a fire department close to where we lived at that time and I went down there and all the kids were playing <clears throat> tennis and all and I showed them the snake that I had caught and I was kind of bragging about how I had trained him and all watch this and so I had the snake there he was kind of wrapped around my arm I had my hand around his neck there and I bumped him on the nose to show everybody how I had trained the snake and once I bumped him on the nose he opened his mouth and he bit my finger, you know. Uh, he died from some unnatural causes shortly thereafter, you know. But the thing is, if you play with a snake, it probably will bite you. And if you play with sin, it will bite you. And we think, well, I can get away. I can, I can handle this. This incoming, I can handle this temptation. I can handle this unforgiveness. I can handle this anger, you know. I can handle this sin. You play with sin, it will bite you. I'm just telling you, that's just the way it is. And uh, many years ago, me and my brother and my brother-in-law and my son Judah, we were going off of this big lake up a creek. It's called Cane Creek down in Lancaster, South Carolina. And we was going up in there. And it was about as wide, this creek was about as wide as this room here. It had logs leaning over it and moss and all kinds of stuff. It was very difficult to pick our way through these logs that were just kind of floating under the water. We were catching some nice fish, and it got up in there, and uh, we were fishing. And I said, hey, look at there. There's a muskrat. It's coming toward us. He's coming down the river at us. And as he got closer, we recognized, that ain't no muskrat. It's a snake. It had a big head, you know. And he came down there toward us. And as he was coming toward the boat, I had one weapon with me, which is a BB gun, you know. And I pumped it up. You pump it up ten times, it's most powerful. And I pumped it up and I cocked it and, and put a BB in it. And he was coming toward us. And I shot him and shot him. Shot him like three times. And then, you know, he went under the boat. And he came toward us on that side. My brother's on the motor in the boat there, and he's backing things up. He's bumping into logs and twisting the boat around, and we're looking, and where did the snake go? And then the snake came back under the boat, and he's coming up. He's crawling into the boat. Now, my son, Judah, he passes the church over there, you know, thrive. And uh, he, my, my brother-in-law was holding Judah. He was about, what, six or... I think he was younger, maybe. Four, five. Yeah. So he, was, he was young, but my uh, brother-in-law was holding him on his lap, on a seat there, and the snake came up again, sliding into the boat. 
I didn't have the gun cocked yet, so I hit him like a baseball bat and knocked the snake back into the water. And then he came up again, and I got the gun cocked, and I popped him in the head. And I don't have the picture with me, but I've, has anybody ever shown, seen that picture? Well, I'll bring it next week, and I'll show you. The, the snake was 14 foot long, and as big or maybe bigger than that part of my leg, you know. And the thing was, see, I had practiced as a kid, just a country boy. I was always practicing my BB gun, you know. And my brother was talking about when we went down to see him recently, I'd have a, a string, you know, down and a can on it, and I would be practicing just shooting it from kind of like Rifleman did, you know, and things like that. But I practiced all the time with my BB gun, and that's why I dispatched that snake. But I do know that David, who killed Goliath with a slingshot, and I killed a giant snake with a beefy gun. I feel like I'm kind of in the same league with David, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but David had a sling, you know, shot, and he put a rock in it, and he was a shepherd. And you see those grassy fields over to your left or your right up there? And his sheep would be wandering away, and he'd put a rock, and he'd throw the rock past the sheep. So it would scare them to come back toward him. And he also killed wolves and bears and lions and things like that because he practiced all the time. It's like I practice shooting my, my uh, BB gun all the time. And the thing is, we must practice the armor of God. If you're going to become good with the armor of God and you can overtake and overthrow and overcome those fiery darts and all those distractions and those temptations that tries to lure us into getting our foot in a stronghold where the devil gains control over us, we must practice the armor using the armor of God. And we'll talk about those things next week. And we were pretty convinced that that snake, it was a constrictor, it was probably what, a Burmese python, an anaconda, one of those. Kind but of anyway, that it was after our son Judah. It was after our child. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe that there is an all-out attack against our children. And we need to declare war. We need to declare war in prayer and in taking a stand against the things that are happening in our world, and in praying protection over our kids, not only our kids, but the kids that are, that are facing all kinds of things in the public schools, we need to be praying. We need to declare war, because it is a war. Satan's after our kids, and there's evil forces that are after our kids, and we need to take a stand. And, and the Bible tells us, you know, our armor is a helmet of salvation. It's a breastplate of righteousness. It's a shield of faith. It's the sword of the spirit. Our loins are girded about with truth. And, and, and that loin guard thing there holds our, our sword onto it and our weaponry. And it protects us. And our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel, these boots of peace. But all these pieces of the armor can be learned how to use them and how we can be victorious. Because greater is Christ in you than the devil's in this world. That's right. And we need to prepare for the battlefield. I'm not talking about a physical one so much as I'm talking about the one on the spiritual side. And we need to fight the good fight of faith that the Bible talks about. Well, let's uh, pray if we could right now to reaffirm our own faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And those of you who are joining us or watching online, would you declare your faith maybe for the first time? as many here would reaffirm their faith in Christ. Would you pray with me 
Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me. And you have given me the armor. And you have given me the armor. That I need. That I need. You've given me your son Jesus. You've given me your son Jesus. And I know he shed his blood. And I know he shed his blood. To wash all my sins away. To wash all my sins away. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And I opened the doors of my heart. And I opened the doors of my heart. And I invite Jesus. And I invite Jesus. Into every area of my life. Into every area of my as life. As my Savior. As my Savior. As my Lord. As my Lord. And as my soon coming King. And as my soon coming King. Thank you, Almighty God. Thank you, Almighty God. For causing me to experience victory. <laughs> For causing me to experience victory. And that I not become a victim. That I not become a victim. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.